red carpet to the celebrity street style hairdos and hair don'ts. This is Get Trust With Us. Here's your host, ladies and gentlemen, Us Weekly's beauty director, Ms. Gwen Flamberg. Hey guys, it's Gwen, and you're listening to Get Trust With Us. Well, good afternoon from my home studio in Tribeca, New York. I'm on the line with my co-pilot on the beauty plane, Mr. Travis Cronin. Hey, Gwen. Lovely to see you as always and to be in this trust house. I mean, you know, it's not easy, Travis, with me in Tribeca and now you're in Connecticut. I know. I've run off to the suburbs. But we do look at each other over FaceTime so I can see that Travis has been doing all of his beauty treatments in quarantine. He looks tighter, more lifted, more glowy, younger than ever before. That you back at you, Gwen. We have really had the time to do all of our beauty things. I'm on the Barbara Sturm program. I'm using like five serums a night, rolling in the moisturizer with like my refall face roller, microcurrent new face, and red light LED like at least five times a week. Serious. Wow. Obviously, you have learned everything from our previous episodes of Get Trust With Us. Thanks for listening, you guys. You can listen on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your audio. So, Trav, what has been your favorite hair tip of the week? My favorite hair tip of the week? Um, I thought I was talking to my mom actually, and she was getting a new cut and I tried to introduce her to a textured lob just oh. because, you know, I thought that that like when Khloe Kardashian and everyone was doing the textured lobs, it really had a moment. And now I think my mother is, you know, 71. Did you so want I, her to look like Kourtney Kardashian? No, Khloe Kardashian. <laughs> oh, Khloe. Like I love um, her too. But I you want your mom to look like Chloe Kardashian? <laughs> I do. I want her to get a little closer to Chloe because all of her hair is one single length. And I think just a little barrel curl and then not washing it for once a week can really like elevate like a woman of a certain age is like fun. True. 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 Gosh, well, you know what I discovered kind of like midway through lockdown is I discovered this color conditioning mask by Leonore Grail. Mm-hmm. I've been using it in the shade called Natural Copper. And I got to tell you, even those little teeny tiny gray hairs that I have around my face, they are gonzo. And I and you're shining copper. It's nice. Yeah, I haven't had to color my hair myself at home because, you know, that would be terrifying. Oh, I will be buying this plan. I'm gonna yeah, it's really that. good. It adds a lot of shine and it adds a lot of condition. But the color, I mean, it's just kind of like a temporary color conditioner that really has vibrant effects. It's pretty amazing. And you can use it every time you wash your hair? Well, I use it every time I wash my hair, Travis, but that's (laughs) basically every two weeks. So anybody can use it anytime they wash their hair, but with all color depositing conditioners, the more you use it, the more vibrant the color's going to get. So just, you know, BYOB and be careful. And I love that it's a conditioner because so many of those like semi-permanent shampoos and stuff can really like dry out your hair. I like how they put it in a conditioner. It's a smart move. Yeah, it's really, really beautiful. And also, I've just been seeing a lot of really amazing makeup. Like I, I just got some new lipsticks from Fenty that are these really beautiful sheer lipsticks. Ooh. Yeah. And I've started, you know, it's like 
obviously when we go out, we're still wearing masks and we're going to for quite some time in New York City. I mean, until there's a vaccine, I don't know about you, Trav, but I'm wearing a mask. I've gotten a lot of new masks. I got a leopard mask. I feel very on brand. Yes. And, uh, you know, when I go out, I really do my brows and I do my eyes a little bit. But when I'm in the house and I'm on Zoom calls, I've been wearing a lot of lipstick, Travis. I like that real plenty lipstick. That sounds sexy. But it's just like what makes your lips pop. And I learned about a new lipstick line, Travis, that I think you're going to be really excited about. Okay. Is there glitter in it? I, I believe that there is some glitter in, in at least one of the shades. So this lipstick line, Travis, is the first makeup product from a new beauty brand that is just about to launch next week by, I mean, I'm glad you're sitting, Travis. I can see that you're sitting. Yes. Because this brand is coming straight to market from none other than Miss Fame. I am so excited. I watch all of Miss Fame's YouTube transformation makeup videos. I don't know how she does it. She turns anyone into a gorgeous glamazon. I would trust her to pick out any of my makeup. Well, she, Miss Fame is amazing. She was the first um, drag performer to be a high fashion model. Mm -hmm. She's been in like every magazine. She walked a runway for L'Oreal Paris in Paris. Um, She's kind of like everything. And also, I just think she's so gorgeous and so cool and so amazing. So guess what, Trav? What if she was here? Oh my God, she is here with us today. Hello, Miss Fame. Hi, everybody. It's Miss Fame. <laughs> oh my God. I just love it. I love it. Intro- what an introduction. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, we don't play small here on Get Dressed With Us. No, we don't. Tell us. I love it. So tell us, first of all, let's just talk about this line because I'm like having a real lipstick moment. And yes. I love that the first product that you're dropping is lipsticks. It's called the fetish of fashion is the brand name, right? Yes. And the, the lip product is lip voyeur. Tell us all about it. All right. Well, Miss Fame Beauty, you know, this is developed out of the dedication of my fans. They've kept up with me on all of my outlets, post drag race, following me through the fashion trenches of Paris <laughs> and, um, you know, we've, we've been able to create this bond between being a showgirl and being on stage performing and producing an album and music and then going to the lane that's always pulled me. I, I got into drag because I was obsessed with beautiful women. I was ses- obsessed with the 90s supermodels and Kevin Aquan. That whole era where makeup really transformed these. These women were iconic to begin with, but then that makeup took them and elevated them to like a consciousness level that was beyond the planet. So So true. With makeup, I felt how important it is to create an identity within yourself. Like branding is a huge part of the social world we're in. Everybody's a part of kind of identifying and creating their own businesses. They're being their own boss. And for me, I felt it was a great opportunity to translate my history and dedication to fashion as a makeup artist and my underground creative process as Miss Fame before I went to television. And here I am being able to give back to my audience that have followed and been with me through this whole journey, uh, products for them to add Miss Fame or elevate their glamour at home and and create looks that are based off of self-expression. So this is all ties into uh, the entire collective field of creative. 
I love that so much. And I love that you're making this line truly, truly accessible. It's dropping on Amazon, right? It's a really big deal. And um, I'm feeling really excited. You know, the process takes time and it's, it's not uh, for the faint of heart because you put everything you've got into creating your own brand. You know, you put everything from formulation to packaging to product names and, and knowing that you're going to need to reach many people. This is not just for the artist community, but it pays tribute to the artist community. The products itself are going to be able to, uh, you know, transform. There, there is glitter. I, I know, I think I heard a little talk about some of the, <laughs> the, the glitz and glam of product and, and in hopes of what they could do. And I tried to be able to provide everything I could within one introductory hit. So the fetish of fashion is, is really paying tribute to my history and how I kind of got to this point as a, as a fashion model through drag. Amazing. And it's, is it five shades of lipstick that are dropping first? Yes, we've got five shades of uh, cream lipstick. Uh, so you're going to have a nice hydrating layer over the top of the lips. It's got avocado oil in it. They're highly pigmented. There's several really easy to wear shades. There's going to be, and, and the product names are extremely fun. So you've got Fame Horror and The Other Woman and um, Flash of Flesh and How's Your Head, which is kind of an iconic statement from being on Drag Race where RuPaul was trying to kind of pull a fast one on me. And I was being very literal when talking to RuPaul about How's Your Head. Uh, there's this moment because RuPaul was referencing uh, Elvira. We all know no, Elvira. Of course. Okay? And the specific line where somebody asked how her head is and she says, I haven't had any complaints. So it's like a play on words. And I was in my feelings and, and you know, working and talking with RuPaul at that time. I didn't understand that he was not asking me how I was feeling, but he was trying to play a quick Elvira joke. So the whole time, there was about three episodes where the same question was asked. It went right over my, my pretty little head. And, um, <laughs> so I realized after we finally got to that, that moment of clarity, and there is an interesting backstory. Nobody knew the answer to that question. And RuPaul had circulated the room, and nobody understood what he was asking. So he, he had the crew make us all watch uh, Queen of the Dark. I think that's the name of the movie. And then yes, we came yeah. back. And when they asked me on stage, the answer was clear. It was right at the tip of my tongue. So I was like, I haven't had any complaints. So on TV, through edit, the magic of editing, it looks like I finally understood, but it was really guided. Like, you know, I don't want to pull all of the, uh, the, the veil, the chiffon off of uh, reality television, <laughs> but we, we, you still want to have that. But it was, I was a bit out of it. I had no idea. I was so stressed out. Reality TV is very stressful. Totally. I love how you did a nod to that. That's real cute. What's the color look like on How's Your Head? How's Your Head's the best selling product because it's it's a cult classic. It's a fan favorite. The name is probably a huge part of why people want to have it because it's paying tribute to drag race culture, uh, drag culture. And uh, in my own personal history of being a part of this giant movement of queer bodies, like trailblazing the identity of what the future holds for beauty. And also for creative, you know, we're, we're, we are doing something innovative and pushing the boundaries on where we can exist. Uh, but that shade specifically is the exact color of my natural lip. So it's, it's a flesh tone. It's really beautiful. It has a peachy hue to it. It's wearable on everybody. It looks really good on deeper skin tones. And it looks immaculate on fair skin because it gives a bit of a, like a punchiness to the tone of the, the, the all over palette of the face. Yeah, peaches are the best nudes. Peach-based nude. Awesome. You know, you dab your finger on the top and blend it into the skin, and the avocado oil adds a really nice hydration to the, like, surface skin. It's 
amazing. And I hear you wanted them to be really pigmented too. So they're like really super rich colors. I think it's important as, as a brand that you know where you're coming from while you're creating the vision of a product. For me, the product had to be able to be worn by somebody like my mother or my aunts who are not drag queens. And they, you know, that a part of my drag history comes from watching these women do their makeup when I was a child. But sure. it's also the essence of this person's going to need to wear it in a softer, more natural way. But also if I'm sending this to my sisters, my drag sisters, or anybody in the queer community that's doing a show at night, that's where I incorporated on top glitter for this whole collection. And you take this pressed glitter and you apply it directly with the tip of your finger and it transforms the shades of the lipstick to make it like this holographic, iridescent, translucent uh, fantasy that can be seen in a, in, you know, at a club at night or for music. I've used it for music videos and seen a lot of amazing results using this specific glitter over the top of these really hydrating and conditioning formulas. So you don't feel like you have a really gritty uh, covering to the lip, but you get this amazing opulent effect, which that's my drag history. It's always paying tribute to the performer in me, but also the real everyday woman that wants to feel pretty. So everybody right. needs to have fun. I love that. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you and your journey, your, your path. Like what, when did you start um, performing? How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, you know, I was always I was a painter, an artist as a child. I grew up on a farm in California with my grandparents. Um, and all of this is context. I'm a storyteller, so it always connects. But my grandparents were foreigners. My grandfather came from Denmark to start his family. His first wife was uh, this beautiful Colombian lady. So I'm a bit, bit Colombian and a bit Danish. Uh, and his second wife was my grandmother, uh, Gloria, from Mexico. So I came from this really diverse household. Uh, and they'd raised me since I was about seven months old. So I called them and mom and dad. So right off the bat, wow. I already knew life was different. And, and um, I was different. And the people I came from were old world. And I didn't feel like I could really translate who I was to the people from underneath the same roof I was living. Uh, when you are that kind of person coming into this human experience where you're like, oh, man, this is this is going to be a tricky road for me. Uh, I started to express myself in school through drawing and painting and creating, and I got a lot of validation through my artistic expression. But I didn't pursue it into acting or, or even modeling. You know, we weren't we weren't seen like that. When you're from a tiny little town in the middle of nowhere, nobody's really looking for you to put you on the cover of Vogue. But I had seen while going to the salon with my grandmother, she went to this. Um, this really wonderful lady. And when I'd sit and she'd be getting her hair cut, I'd see Vogue. And I saw Linda and Naomi and Kate Moss and all of the icons of that era. It was a comprehensive time of my life being in the mid nineties. I was, you know, born in 85. So I was 10. I was able to look and I could take it in. And I right away knew there was something really polarizing and captivating about this specific chapter of fashion. There was something that even the untrained eye knew you had to pay attention to like, Right. supermodels. I mean, the only reference I had for fashion was um, Vanna White on the Wheel of Fortune because it was one of the <laughs> only channels we had on TV. But fast forward, you know, when I came out and got into uh, working in the, in the world of beauty, my first uh, stop was being a hairdresser for seven years and learning about color and cut and, and making women feel beautiful. Uh, Miss Fame was kind of bubbling beneath the surface and going out to the bars and putting on makeup. And then I made the big jump to New York, early 20s, and um, in the early 1920s when I moved to New York. No, but, 
But the point was that when I got here, I had been pursuing expressing myself through the camera at that time. I had met some photographers that had thought I was interesting to photograph. You know, I was a boy in makeup before we had YouTube, Instagram. I was a boy in makeup before there was social media. There was no outlet. I was just a boy putting on makeup and showing up at the bar. And I was different. You know, I had my big giant pompadour mohawk. I full beat double wear foundation from Lancome. And I was in it. I was full commitment to this idea. And I had photographers tell me, this is interesting. Don't take it further. Don't do drag. And I remember hearing that from this guy who looked at me and saw the identity of me and wanted to keep it contained. And I didn't, I don't like being told what to do. And I do not like being contained. So when I got to New York, I was working for Mac Cosmetics on Lexington and 59th Street, the Bloomingdale's. And I was going out working at a few clubs as a look queen. I had $0 budget. So I was wearing simple black outfits, but my gift was the gift of transformation through makeup. So my face was beat. People always validated me on the way that my makeup looked. And at that point, I think Instagram started to kind of surface within that time frame. This is pre-drag race, but I had a feeling there was a calling for me that being Miss Fame was going to be my, my uh, breakthrough. Uh, and that's where a lot of my first big requests in fashion, working with Stephen Klein, that's what, that was Miss Fame. That wasn't Curtis, you know, the other part, me sure. as Curtis, me as Miss Fame. Um, I'd gone into every agency in New York. I had been rejected by every agency in New York as Curtis. But what happened was when I got through, and, I, and basically I was seeking validation. I think that we all come to New York to pursue our biggest passions. And for me, when I did that, Mine was to be working as a model, but I think what that really meant was coming from a small hill with a family that didn't comprehend me. I was trying to to clean something up inside of me by getting validation from the up the upper echelons, you know, from the highest highs. Wow. And what I discovered was through my persistence, I got the world to see me. And Drag Race happened. Uh, I was 29, got off the show. I didn't win the show. Things went right over my head. How's your head? I didn't get it. Excuse my language. Um, and while I came out of that experience, I thought, well, I don't want the end of my storyline to be, I failed a reality show. I'm smarter than that. So when I went out into the world, I kept But leaning. meanwhile, you got on the reality show. Get dressed listeners. It's a great time to prioritize you and commit to staying on top of your health. And a great way to support your health is through taking vitamins. The vitamin aisle can be overwhelming. It's so hard to know what you need and where to start. But if you're looking for an easy change, Care Of can make taking your vitamins and supporting your health goals truly attainable. Care Of makes buying the right vitamins easy. All you have to do is go to their website and take a great little quiz that asks you some health questions and what your health goals are. Care Of will create a personalized packet of vitamins for you. It's totally hassle-free and you get a vitamin solution that's just for you. Care Of's new line, the Skin Plus Hair Collection, helps you work on your beauty goals from all angles with a combination of targeted ingredients for hair, skin, and nails. I took the quiz and I was impressed by how easy and quick it was. And my personal recommendations were vitamin D, rhodiola, and keratin. Care Of is focused on quality science and research that goes into each one of their products. Their vitamins and protein powders are made of real ingredients you can recognize, like organic cocoa and pink Himalayan sea salt. For 50% off your first Care Of order, go to careof.com 
and then enter the code TRUST50 for 50% off your first Care-of order. Again, all you have to do is go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code TRUST50. That's T-R-E-S-S-E-D-5-0. You were working at Mac, like selling yeah. like the RuPaul Viva Glam, or maybe mm. that was even before RuPaul's Viva Glam. Yes. But, you know, and you got on the show. Like that in and of itself is a tremendous accomplishment. Thank you. And it was a big, a big move. I was terrified. I mean, when you go from hoping for your dreams to happen and then the actuality of your dreams happening, you, you think, am I truly ready? Was I ever prepared for this? Now, I wasn't prepared as much as I would say. I'm very critical of myself. I want things to be perfect, you know, very Joan Crawford of my, my identity and expression in the world. But I, um, I was asked to do the show by Matthew Anderson, who's RuPaul's iconic makeup artist over the past sure. 20 plus years. And he had DM'd me on Facebook. This is obviously still, he was using Facebook at the time, said, you should audition. I did. It didn't get on the first time. The second year they contacted me and, and they confirmed me. So leaving that experience, I, I was thrust into this, this identity of now you're going to become somewhat maybe famous. And I thought, you know, I can handle anything. I'm, I'm never going to lose track of who I am. And, it, you know, I think that's a hopeful and a, a wishful idea that you go into a reality show and you come out the other end that you're successful and that you're still grounded and that you don't become this arrogant, um, egoistic monster. But right. for me, I was like, I've been working in New York and everything's been a hustle. So I never lost sight of the hustle to keep growing and pushing and pursuing your bigger picture dream. So when I got through, I started realizing a lot of designers took interest and were, were, were watching the show and, and, and talking about our looks on the show. I had a, a tweet from Isaac Mizrahi that he had a dream that I was his drag mother. So then I DM'd him and then we had lunch and we talked about that. Mark Jacobs was talking about image looks I done on drag race. And then he invited me and at the time Violet who won the show to his front row and we missed it. So we got booted to the second row the next year, which thank God we were invited back anyways. But <laughs> it was just a lot of trying. And by the way, we relate because it takes three plus hours to become these glamorous women. You know, it I was going to ask you how long, how long does it take you to do your full beat? You guys were not late. I was there. You were like two minutes late, but it's when he decided to be prompt. Yeah, there, there was a moment where it actually didn't happen. We've been invited numerous times. There's one show we've actually missed. And, it, you know, I, I pride myself on being professional and doing my job and not missing my work. I, I, can I say that mistakes have happened over the course of the last decade? Yes, things have happened. But for the most part, I feel like I, I'm committed to showing up. And I know that this is a big deal. I know it's an honor that opening these doors for our community. Uh, there, there's a there's a bigger picture. Me just going is not just about me. This is about our community getting spotlighted and shined on and celebrated uh, for being the underdog. You know, it's like we all know what drag is. We all want to go through dollar bills at the club and celebrate that lip sync. But for me, I was not doing that. Mine was all about image. I was uh, tipping my hat to supermodels, to Linda, to Christy, to Naomi. If you would have told me through the midst of this that I was going to inevitably be having lunch with Naomi, be talking to Christy at, at Mark Jacobs' wedding, be getting validated on my content by the supermodels and having these um, interactions. I could not have believed that that 10-year-old growing up on a chicken farm would have ever uh, elevated and resurrected to some high like this. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen to people like me. 
but it's, it's just amazing. But it's brilliant. And actually, yeah, like, um, you know, what is your opinion of like, you know, Instagram makeup artists who, by the way, are just ripping off drag, drag, <laughs> drag culture makeup. Yeah. It's like, how did that happen? It happens to the best of us. I think it's the times, you know, everybody wants fast fashion. They want things that they can take and um, replicate. Here's the thing. Drag is hard and you can't do it great out the gate. You, you know, everybody thinks, oh, I, I would be sickening if I got on drag race. Go ahead and try. I, I implore you, go for it, girl. I'm 100% in support of you pursuing your deepest desires to express your femininity or express that artist inside of you that happens to be associated to drag. But the work and the maintenance to keeping up, to buying costumes, to investing in good wigs, to investing in elevating your makeup game, to investing in those lip syncs and the time it's going to take to memorize that number and dance if you're a dancer um, and be comical if you're a comedian, that is a full-time job. And if you are doing it in a city like New York and you're broke and you're like, oh, I have a day job and then I have to remember all these numbers and I have a night job of hosting, you have nothing left after you've been doing it. You, you have a moment to establish yourself in big cities and with the competitive nature of Drag Race, we've got this wave of brand new, fresh, hungry talent. Um, you know, I've been off TV for six years now and I've seen it's, it's become a completely different animal. Uh, you have to evolve with the times. I think we've... With social media, you've got uh, this influencer market that is able to say, cool, I'm going to do a full beat. I'm going to wear a nail, no corset, no tuck, uh, a sensible, maybe a drama heel, maybe a boot, easy to walk in a boot. Come on, girl. And then no hair, <laughs> uh, no facelift tapes. None of the, tr the tricks are there, but they're just, it's the Instagram. It's, it loses a sense of identity for me looking at it. I yeah. can say everybody's copying the same idea and I'm sure you pulled a trick from one of us girls. So it's not, you know, I think everybody looks at that as a point of reference because it's re it's content. The content is created in a day. It's launched in a day. So it's accessible where I'm from right. an old school idea and mentality and I'm not letting up just yet, but I know I have to get um, caught up with these younger generations is that, when I go to Paris and I'm, and I'm working and I'm, I'm elevating, I'm opening these doors for Haute Couture, there are not waves of influencers from LA. I don't see them there. It's, it's, it's not happening. So I, I know that what I'm creating is significant for the fact that I am jumping the gender divide to express myself through the highest forms of femininity. Some may see it as drag. I just, I, I express myself as a feminine expression. I, I would, yeah, women. Yeah. But it's, it, it goes beyond being campy. It's, it's part of my expression that I've always been femme. I just happen to lean really deeply into it and Miss Fame happens. So, right. But it's also like, it's art. What you're doing is art. Whereas, you know, a lot of these Instagram artists, it's just like, it's a moment. Yeah. It's, it's a post. It's one little expression. Yeah. Not, it's not art. It's fast fashion. And I'm, right. I, I, we will see how that looks in, in the long cause how many of that type of um, influencer can survive the world when it's spinning on its axis the way that it is? You, you have to maintain your psychological state. You have to maintain your stamina. Uh, if you come into it young at 18 or 20, you know, you, you will stay because you, you're hungry and you can keep it together. Um, it depends on where you live and, and how much of the waves surround you of all these other talents. So for me, being in New York for the last decade and working out of Europe, I found... I can't compete with that 
kind of momentum. It's not my style. I'd rather go and do fashion week and create a moment, create a memory, create a form of history that we'll look at and, 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 and take a reference from, cause I'm taking a reference from the history of fashion and the history of beauty. My reference is not what Kim Kardashian wore. Love the, right. no, no shade on the Kardashians, but I'm looking further back. I'm looking back to the sixties, the fifties, the forties, the twenties, you know, th- those are the yep. iconic eras of fashion. And if you have any uh, knowledge of those makeup references, hair references or style references, that's what fashion of today is actually paying tribute to. They do go back. They do grab right. it and modernize it. You know, a really good designer is always going to be creating something from the history of the house. And that to me is keeping the art and iconicism alive, not to where it just becomes something comfortable that anybody's going to wear at home. I, I, I like those fashion moments to be significant. I don't live right. in couture. I wish I wish I was wearing a couture gown every day of my life. But when I do get the honor, I know that it's an honor. And I know that it's a, it's a moment for all of us. I love when you do your like Marlena Dietrich mm. thing. And I loved um, this past fashion week when you had the peach wig that matched like the peach yeah. gown. Was it Jean-Baptiste Valley? You got it. Show? Yes. Yeah. Of course. See, it's so memorable. Yeah. And it felt right. You know, when you feel good and that you've planned it, you know, a lot of the times the fittings are a day or two before the show. So that means I have to be really quick with my team. I I mean, my team involves a stylist, a stylist assistant who's with me a hundred percent of the time. And then, um, and really I could dress myself and all, but it's nice to have somebody help tighten the corset. It's nice to have somebody (laughs) keep you calm before you get in the car. And having a hairdresser, you need to know really good hair people. So I love tagging and crediting. That's my modern take on what I, what I do and, and contribute to in, Instagram is that you must credit artists, pay artists for their time, credit artists for their contribution, acknowledge the teams around you so that everybody's being lifted up in the same moment. The tricky thing is once you acknowledge somebody, then they're so good, everybody hires them and then you can't see them anymore. <laughs> Sad. I also want, you've worked with a lot of women, biological women, who have a lot of drag references. Snooki, Wow, Wendy Williams. Oh, that was the beginning. Yeah. That was the beginning. I want to know what you learned from those women who are self-proclaimed drag queens. Did you take any of their sort of vivaciousness or tricks or learn anything that you incorporate into Miss Fame? You know, it's interesting because the beginning of me working in New York, I was working at the makeup counter. I was hustling on the side. When you live in New York and you don't have any money, you do several jobs. You take anything you can get. You, gr- you grab that bar gig at the end of the day where they're offering you $50 in a bottle and a VIP spot for your friends. So that was... And that, and that's a full night of three numbers and it's a full commitment. So you drain yourself or deplete yourself, but you're hungry when you get to the city. That's at least my story. Uh, when I got acquainted with Wow and Snooki, and I never talk about that chapter because I, I got really focused on fashion, but these girls were the first, you know, celebrities to, it was specifically Wow. I was hired to do their makeup for a hundred dollars. I'm <laughs> disclosing all the facts, all the tea spilled. Sorry, girls. Um, <laughs> this is going through MTV at the time. I had a friend that had worked with them and said, I can't work with them. It was for a little small, uh, like one of those magazines you'd find in hell's kitchen by the gay bar that are about, uh, four inches yeah. by seven. Yeah, you got it. It was next. It was the next cover. Um, and we had to do, I had to do the full hair and makeup. And I remember I had just gotten fired from Mac backstory the day before, and they took my brush belt, and I remember thinking, I don't have any brushes, and my kit is literally my drag kit. 
not J-Wound. So they, they, these girls have tone. They were spray tan galore. They were a certain color of spray tan. It was so I was thinking, how am I going <laughs> to get hour to hour? Totally. I was like using eyeshadows to contour and anything. I mean, that's the thing about being an artist. Look at the tones and the pigments and find a way to get there. I didn't have a hugely elaborated kit. I, I worked. Um, I took that money that was offered because I was hustling. And I ended up becoming really friendly with Wow, And, you know, I followed her through, through, I went to her, her wedding and I know that her life has changed since then. I haven't talked to her in a couple of years, but I was a part of that life and a moment of that life before I ended up pursuing my own ventures. But what I took away from them when I saw them doing their interviews and they were going around and, and, and doing podcasts or, or doing on TV interviews, I would watch them and kind of see they there's a public idea about that specific kind of reality television show who they are behind the camera is different when you're driving in the car with them to get to the next interview versus how they respond to answers because of how they're known on reality television. And I would say they would bring themselves down to a, to a comprehensive level to their audience. Now I thought, why wouldn't you elevate it? You've got the power and the platform. You could do anything with that. And that is what I took away. If I ever become famous at all, I want to, bring people up. I want to wake people up. I want people to feel good. I want the image to captivate you. But with seeing me, I want you to feel all of me, all of my energy, and, um, and hopefully find something inside your own human experience that makes you want to push yourself to attain your own dream. Uh, but that was because I was on a mission to this is all historical for me. I've been fighting for a spotlight for a long time. Now that I have it, I'm thinking, I want to buy a farm in Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It all comes full circle. Right, I'm so, ready. <laughs> are you going to go back to showing chickens, Miss Bain? You know, I'm, I'm so not against that. I, I literally have a folder in my iPhone that is for chickens, and I know exactly what I'll have when I have this little farm. I, I believe it'll be possible, and I recently talked with Carolyn Murphy on a photo shoot we did for the CR Fashion Book calendar for the 12 months of this mm-hmm. year. And she came over when they were putting on my wig and she was mad I was being a blonde. She's like, how do you get the, you know, typical supermodel banter backstage. And the supermodel's telling me she was mad about the fact that she, that I was getting the long blonde hair. And, um, I thought this is iconic in its own right. And I'm hearing it and it's happening. It's not fake. It's real. And, um, she was telling me, I really want to buy a farm and I would love to have a partner, a man in my life that I could go to, let's say the Met with, and then disappear to our country home. And I thought, how amazing. This is a icon. This is a supermodel telling me she still dreams of like a humble human experience in association to her high profile fashion life. And I thought that to me is the perfect balance. It kind of encompasses everything I've ever done and it brings it full circle and it roots me back into the earth. So I don't lose my head in the clouds because this industry will spin you up and spin you out. That is so amazing. So you've been like, you've been in it. You've been part of this like mass evolution of what beauty is and what beauty means. Mm. How, what do you, what do you think? Like, where do you think we are at as a society with the notion of what is beautiful? Uh, I think that there's a history, you know, if you watch, we have so we've had nothing but time with Corona to sit mm-hmm. at home and watch Hulu and Amazon prime and all of our, you know, and Netflix and get caught up. And I recently watched a Dion Vreeland um, documentary and looking at how somebody perceives something interesting and innovative, not just expected. It's not supposed to be. I mean, there are certain models that are just because they're so profoundly beautiful. And I'll refer to iconic women like Christy Turlington and Linda, 
Now, there was something special, but they were also being nurtured by photographers of that moment that were partnering with them in the way that Marlena Dietrich was in her era uh, and, and finding their light and knowing that the teams around them, they're going to bring them up and make them this significant star. But to make it not only iconic and have legacy, you have to think, what's going to make this stick? And for me, the fact that behind Miss Fame is Curtis, is, is this farm boy that has identified beyond my own gender to kind of, or my birth gender to then express this femininity and then detach from drag. I, I started to feel that drag was my path. I had to go through drag to discover the herness, the sheeness of me. And through that, I've been able to um, start to discover that this is much deeper and explorative. I think we're all on a journey. We're all trying to figure ourselves out. And, um, and if you're not on a journey, then you know, I wish that everybody that's out there that listens to this discovers there's more to, to be revealed about yourself. And that's the most exciting part about it. You, you can find comfort in, in um, a routine and knowing that your day-to-day is going to be what it's going to be. But life and real life beyond us doesn't work that way. I think we feel safe, but I've never truly cared to feel safe. If I really wanted to feel safe, I would have never moved to New York. But I appreciate the push because it's helped me to unveil, um, unveil aspects of myself and then share that publicly. So right now, I feel that what I've done in fashion, it may not be seen at the level it is. And I know what I'm doing has value and weight because it's the right fashion people are paying attention. But the rest of the world doesn't work like that. You know, the 90s is when you only looked at fashion editors in the magazines and you had to be associated to Mizell and you had to be associated to certain groups of girls in the top three or the top nine. Now it's, you can be who you are and you can tell your own story. But what I also feel we're lacking in the midst of this is it's, it's so fast and so much information being thrust at us is that we are neglecting to acknowledge the dedication and the fine art aspect of those that are doing it for the art contribution and not just the, let me produce content for Instagram. So I really hope that when we get a decade or two or three out, we're going to see the historical contribution of people within my genre um, or people or artists or queer people that are out there fighting for rights and um, and visibility to have conversations and not forget them 20 or 30 years later, but to keep holding them as a cherished asset for the fashion world at large that we can say you actually change the game. Your contribution was so necessary. And we, we still see you. You weren't just a blip on the radar. So I'm going to continue to fight to claim that space because it's not just about me. It's about the, those other people that are feeling unseen. And if you're willing to commit to whatever your aesthetic is, um, celebrate it, shine light on it, bring other people up around you about it, uh, know what you're talking about, and then keep pushing and trudging the path. Love it. Love it. So Miss Fame Beauty, did you plan to launch this collection during Pride Month? Was that something that was important to you? I actually have been developing this. You know how it goes. Products, it takes time. And being a small business, originally, this is just me and my husband. You know, he's the one that handles the numbers aspect. And he's got that brain where his brain can comprehend that. And for me, it was really about textures and tones and a feeling. So 
when things start to come together, it, this was kind of like a, a happy, magical moment in the universe where it just kind of started to connect. It, it's perfect timing. Yeah. So I'm really grateful for that. So on top of having these um, five cream lipsticks and glitter, I'm also launching an eyeshadow palette, it's the Under My Skin palette. And for me, um, being able to, and that also comes with three transformative glitters that can be used on the eyes, lips, or nails, which I love. I love a moment where you can continue to yeah. celebrate and elevate your fantasy. Uh, and glitter is great for pride. So celebrate queerness or your contribution or your solidarity to self-expression. Uh, for me, being able to contribute this, this palette specifically, it's one of these illusion palettes that when you look throughout it, it looks like everything's a shimmer, but there's four shades of a matte shadow in there that are folded with glitter. So on top, it looks completely radiant. But when you touch the product, it transfers and swatches onto the skin as a matte. So depending on how you're applying it, if you're using your finger to apply, or if you're using a brush damp or dry, you're going to get more payoff or less payoff of the glitter on the matte shadows or get a really bold streak of a metallic finish on the ones that have high shimmer. Um, but this is to me the great way to com- to pair a palette with your favorite matte palette you already own. We, I know that you own makeup and that you have what you do on your daily. You probably have a specific routine. You're like, that's always going to be utilized. For me, I wanted to create something that you could touch it and add it to your existing routine. It should be complementing what you already own. And it's gorgeous. But also I wanted it to be captivating. So when you open it for Instagram, you know, this is where I'm paying attention to the world and what's happening, that it's just so opulent that you're captivated. Well, who doesn't want opulence? I want opulence. (laughs) (laughs) We all need opulence. So of the lipsticks, what's the one shade that you think would look amazing on everyone? What's the one shade that women, men, anybody would want to buy? I think How's Your Head is the easiest to wear shade. And that is the why it is the most popular shade because historically the name, as we've mentioned, but then it's just easy. It's conditioning, it has full pigmentation, it's full coverage if you want it to be. It can be worn in multiple places, whether it's worn on the cheek or if it's worn on the lip. Um, It's easy wear, but my personal favorite is the lightest shade, which is Flash of Flesh. It's a true nude. It's a saddle slash kind of camel color. Um, It's absolutely incredible with uh, a little bit of a deeper liner, so you can give it that 90s. That is really my 90s lipstick. Um, but I love it. And it's what I wear for couture. When you see me in a nude lip in Paris, that's the only lipstick I wear. Gorgeous. Amazing. Well, from your lips to our listeners ears, thank you so, so much, Miss Fame for joining us today. Oh, thank you. Travis, of course, I couldn't ever do it without you. I would never want to do it without you. I just can't wait to match my glitter on my lids to my lips and my nails. (laughs) Just send me a DM. If you have any questions, I will happily, happily guide you through the process. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So our listeners might do the same. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Please come back next week for a new episode of Get Trust With Us. You can listen on Spotify, on iTunes, or anywhere where you get your podcasts. Until next week, go to usmagazine.com slash stylish for more celebrity beauty tips and tricks all week long. Until then, stay gorgeous.